Welcome to the Boss Lady Coaching Podcast. Boss ladies, we are happy to be back together again. Social distance, of course. Megan Stith is here with us. Hi, Megan. Hi. How are you guys? Doing well. And also glad to have Dr. Jill Rhodes with us. Jill is our guest today. Jill is also very dangerous to me because she's someone from my my past, my very distant past, because Jill, I was trying to figure out how long ago we went to high school together. How many years has it been? Do you know? Um, oh my goodness. Um, it, it's too many to count. So let me see here. Um, 1997, um, 2000, tw over 20, over 20. Okay. <laughs> um, we're seasoned and, 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 and more beautiful for it. <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. That goes along with the, the boss lady coaching podcast philosophy. And you and I ran into each other. I think it's been um, two years ago now at Via Calori in Elizabeth or in uh, Louisville on the waterfront. And you were nice enough to come up and say hello after our band played. And it was so good to see you and to catch up with you. And uh, along with being a mom and a wife and all the other things that you do in your community, uh, you've really been working hard on your education and your business. So do they call you Dr. Rhodes at home or do they just call you mom? Oh, they just call me mommy <laughs> for the most part. Um, no doctor at home. They, they understand that I work in, um, in medications and, and pharmacy. They don't quite understand the difference between um, you know, what I do and the pharmacy um, versus at home. So it's, it's good. So after you graduated from Johnson Central High School, go Eagles, um, <laughs> uh, you went on to study at the University of Kentucky and then worked at the University of Kentucky Medical Center and uh, you started your own business in St. Matthews. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so I was very fortunate to be able to go to graduate school at the University of Kentucky and um, one of the um, college, the College of Pharmacy there, one of the, the best in the nation, and uh, it was a real privilege. After that, uh, I was actually, I stayed on at the University of Kentucky Medical Center and did a PGY-1 and PGY-2 post-graduate um, school training program, and that's when I specialized in oncology. Uh, following that, uh, we started the PGY-2 residency program at the University of Louisville, my team and I, uh, before I moved on to start our own business. Uh, my husband's also a pharmacist, and so we wanted to bring the clinical practice of a hospital system into the community and really get that traditional feel, um, but all the bells and whistles that are associated with what you experience and, and get um, in the hospital system. And so, uh, we have um, a, a pharmacy where you can get pretty much everything, um, and that's, that's hard to find these days, where you can get your compounded medications, uh, your blister-packed medications if you needed them uh, for uh, individuals who maybe are more homebound or need assistance. Uh, we also do the specialty medications here at St. Matthew's uh, Pharmacy, and it's, it's also your traditional walk-in. We do medication management interviews with patients. We, we work with their providers and serve as a liaison for them uh, with uh, their various healthcare providers. Um, many patients go to three, four, or five different providers and uh, you wanna do a drug utilization review and know that patient. Um, kind of like Cheers, you know, where everybody knows your name. Uh, 
the pharmacist should know your name and you should know your pharmacist. There was something that brought us together too um, that included pharmacy as far as the cheers of everybody knows your name and 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 that kind of feel from the the national pharmacies. I had a situation with my son. It's been over six months ago, but your input was really helpful in in deciding and picking a local pharmacy and and the difference there. So it was really helpful. I'm glad I could help. My pleasure. Dr. Rhodes, I would love to hear, because that's a huge leap, you know, to go into business for yourself and um, especially when there's a lot of, you know, big nationwide chains in the pharmacy business already. So how did you make that decision to go on your own and start this venture? Well, that's a great question. Um, a funny story, actually. Uh, we had an opportunity um, very early out of uh, pharmacy school to invest and, and take over an independent pharmacy. And at that time, it wasn't the right time for us. Um, we regretted that. And looking back, we had an opportunity to really start from the ground up. With that, we had partnered with another pharmacist who uh, was uh, fresh out of their community of practice residency and had the same mindset that we did. Um, and so it was a big investment up front, um, particularly when you have the competition that is different today than it was 15 years ago. Uh, many of the large pharmacies that you see today are vertically integrated, meaning that they're owned by a pharmacy benefit manager. And so um, you, you are, as, as we are a small pharmacy, but I think that what drove us to the decision is that there are patients and there is a community that needs a pharmacy that they want to know and have that feel. Um, and there's a niche that, that we fulfill in providing that care to, to the patients. It's a, it's a different level of care um, that, that we feel we provide by being able to offer all of those services. Um, so uh, it is a big endeavor and it has been growing over year over year. We have um, different accreditations that make us stand out from other pharmacies. Uh, so, for example, you can become uh, accredited. Um, this is an elective accreditation uh, in compounding pharmacy. And so that's called a PCAB accreditation. In addition to that, um, some, we hold ourselves to a higher standard in that we're also accredited um, by URAC and ACHC and specialty pharmacy um, in addition to our compounding um, I don't believe there is another pharmacy in the state of Kentucky that has those accreditations um, collectively and independently owned and operated. Was that a benefit to you when uh, the pandemic started? In, and, and, and I say started, as some of us were much more aware of it, paying attention to international news um, in uh, November and December, but in March, did you see a shift in, in your clients and what they needed? So, there is a shift in how patients access their care. Um, there was a, a definitely a change in where they were getting their medications, um, whether it be at the physician's office or from, from us. We changed our uh, policies very uh, quickly in that, um, I think it was March the 13th, we immediately, we, we closed our doors from the, um, the retail walk-in 
Um, but we still serviced our patients on an appointment basis if they needed medications administered. That's one of the things we do in our pharmacy is provide medication administration for patients who need that um, for various types of injections, um, including addiction management and antipsychotics for behavioral health. But we were already set up to do work at home, uh, VPN access. Because of our accreditations, it did allow us to mail prescriptions as we were doing that before for those patients who needed those deliveries. Um, we had a process set up um, that we were already using um, to send patients packaging overnight if they needed their medications the next day. So for us, it was pretty seamless. Um, we had patients who really understood um, the community need and protecting our employees as well as our patients and that provided us the ability to to care for them and ensure that we were doing the best job that we could to prevent the spread of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and as an employer, how did that um, how did that communication go with your employees? Well, so we were closely following the governor's um, in the state of Kentucky, our, our governor's executive orders. Uh, with that, we had an emergency planning uh, policy that was already enacted. Um, and of course, with a pandemic, there are certain things that you can't predict. Uh, our employees were very understanding. They have been absolutely amazing, actually. Uh, we couldn't survive without them. And uh, they were extremely flexible. Um, and hopefully that's because of the culture we've built here that they want to do the best thing for the patients and they uh, felt like they were protected as well and that we were taking care of them so they're really happy to roll with it um, uh, follow our policies and then the new changes that we had to make um, as a result of new executive orders that would be coming out over you know the the new weeks um, through march april may Megan and I are kind of nerdy about organizational leadership, to say that. Okay. <laughs> You're excited so, to talk about culture. <laughs> exactly. So Megan, um, do you relate to some of the things Dr. Rhodes said as far as in higher education with already having some things in place, um, not just SHRM, but things in place um, culturally that helped you transition to, uh, to working from home, to VPN for some of the employees? And what did you just do in general? Like, I, I know where we are with middle and high school, but higher ed, I'm not really sure. Yeah, it, it has been a huge undertaking. And I share the same sentiment and being so proud of our faculty and staff because um, it's really tough to really change your business model overnight, um, where, you know, the traditional higher ed um, business model is built on you bring so many students into a classroom and you teach them for this period of time and um, to have to shift virtually within a matter of days uh, and just all of the changes to our operations that we've had to make by keeping our folks still working but doing so remotely. Um, it has been a whirlwind and it's funny when you know thinking back today of it's been nine weeks you kind of start to lose count. <laughs> Um, and how um, it really is just a monumental undertaking and one that I'm sure we're all feeling fatigue from in different ways, um, where it both feels like this just happened and also like it's been forever. Um, so that <laughs> is weird, <laughs> but it has, um, it, we've tried to be as positive as we can through all this by looking at it as an opportunity to innovate and try new things. 
work with students in a different way and hopefully in a more personal way because we are able to engage with them virtually and without the constraints of the in-person um, types of meetings. So um, it's definitely been tough, um, but we are up to the challenge and it is about, in this case, student patients first. It, for the college, it was very much about students first and as long as we continue to make decisions with that in mind, um, the good news is nobody is really an expert in this, <laughs> so we just have to keep reminding ourselves that there's no necessarily manual to a pandemic, and even though we did to have great crisis plans in place, and um, we actually were just prepping some crisis communications, um, additional plans before all of this hit, I will guarantee none of them were about this particular incident, so um, I think it's just also a matter of giving yourself grace being patient to know that we are all figuring this out together and making the best decisions we can at the time and granting each other that, that flexibility. That's encouraging to hear from two leaders, uh, also parents. So Megan did NTI. Jill, I'm sure you did NTI, right? Yes, we did NTI. <laughs> How did it go? Kill that gray hair. <laughs> oh, I have That's my NTI gray hair. <laughs> I got a streak too, right there. Oh. <laughs> I, I hear it's fashionable these days. It's all from NTI. I'm just gonna say I was I had none of it before any of this. <laughs> so how did you manage that? And this is one of those questions where it's like the the woman always gets asked asked about it. I would ask your husband as well if he were here. How did you as a parental unit cohesively work together with NTI? Was it a hot mess at first? Like, let's be real. How did it go? So uh, for me, it was, uh, it was a little rough starting out. Um, fortunately, my children do have Chromebooks. And so we already had that established. Uh, unfortunately, our internet is not so great where we are. And that was one of the, the lagging factors. So we have burned through our hotspot minutes. Um, but I will say that I have uh, three different um, children at three different stages. So a preschooler, I have a third grader, and I have a sixth grader. Uh, our sixth grader rocked NTI. She is extremely task-oriented. Um, and we did have a few things that we had to work through, but, but it, was, it was great. And the teachers did a fantastic job in keeping us up to date. Um, our third grader, he didn't have quite as much work to do. And um, as parents, you know, we, we set a schedule, eight o'clock, you have breakfast and, and keeping them on a schedule with some expectations really helped us and them. And, you know, from a, a team perspective, I am very fortunate to have someone who worked with me, um, teamwork, and he was able to work from home, um, and my husband, and we split some of that time. And we were able to keep keep on task for the most part. Uh, you may ask the teachers as well, but you know, <laughs> from my standpoint, I think we kept on track pretty well. No, that's good to hear. Go to the next grade. You did fine. <laughs> <laughs> and and Megan, for you, um, not only did you have your career with the college, but also uh, you had some co-parenting going on. But in addition to that, you had your farm. So did you yeah. farm field trips? <laughs> we, uh, we have been really productive more than I expected with the time at home. Uh, we've gotten back to doing a lot of things we used to do, like homesteading, uh, getting chickens back on the farm and doing some fun things like that. But it was definitely difficult because especially in those early days, I had to be in the office 
um, not necessarily for full days, but at least to go in and when there was so much messaging at the beginning of all of this, I moved into more of a role to help triage a lot of our communications, both internal and external. So that meant having to be away from home. Um, my husband worked shift work, so he often would have to still be gone as well and leaving the boys with in-laws or um, somebody to watch them and, and have always been fantastic but it, it's hard to make somebody who's doing you a huge favor to begin with um, make them be the taskmaster of N NTI <laughs> so it was like going to do a full day's work coming home to do the teaching on top of everything so um, I'm really glad we're on summer break and I'm very very grateful to all of our teachers who probably thought I was asking the silliest questions when I wasn't clear on something. Um, but it's hard for me to have multiple kids. I can't imagine three, and especially one, I'm lucky that mine are a little bit older. Um, preschool would be, <laughs> I applaud Dr. Rhodes for hanging in there with that. Um, but it was, I think that's the perspective that we need to keep in mind as we talk about digital learning, is that not all students have two parents at home that can work with them throughout the day and they might be bouncing around to different childcare providers and people that can help cover right now or they might not have the best internet uh, and just understanding that I saw some quote somewhere that you know we're going through the same storm but we're not all in the same boat we have different resources to handle this with and I was grateful to have a support system where we were able to manage but I can't imagine if <laughs> we had many more compounding factors I think it would have been really really tough. Mm -hmm. there, that's where um, I saw myself get really frustrated uh, is because I still had the same deadlines. My looked a whole lot different, but I still had the same deadlines and also feeling like, well, my son's home and so I need to focus on him and make sure he has engagement. And, um, and, and again, at that, that fourth, fifth, sixth grade level and older, um, they seem usually, depending on, on their level of learning and how they learn, they do pretty well. NTI and they're, they're independent and he was largely independent but I had that mom guilt going on a little bit too. Um, you felt like you should be like reading Shakespeare to them or <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and like I like <laughs> bread I haven't and and bless all y'all have because people that have brought me bread and and been in and like all these treats you know so, along with the hair you know putting all this uh, COVID weight on but um at the same time, I felt that mom guilt of how I needed to perform at a high level at work and important things to do, but also, you know, him being here physically, <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, hey, you're here. I probably need to hang out with you. Um, so, <laughs> so our, our, uh, our family time became a little more concentrated, which was actually kind of nice. So one positive thing is, um, and I asked Tristan, I said, do you think we're, we're spending good time together? And he said, well, we go for walks. And I said, okay. So to his 10 year old mind, he was like that to him, that was quality time. <laughs> so that made me feel better. And, and it was good and is good for our mental health too, when it's not raining. So, uh, and right now we're highly focused on what the school year looks like in the fall and what parents and caregivers are going to be able to do, how we're going to be safe. And, and again, protecting teachers and what they feel safe with doing. And bless the school administrators, pray for them and send them good thoughts. They are really going through some difficult times right now trying to figure out what we're going to do in the fall. And um, anyway, just from that parent component, teleworking, I'm thankful that I have a job and I'm thankful that I'm doing meaningful work, but also 
um, being very aware that that's a privilege and that a lot of people don't have high quality internet and uh, the tools that they need in order to do NTI. So I see from a, a, a perspective to say, ah, NTI, that'd be fine, we'll work it out. But I know that it's a much bigger issue than that. So um, Jill, can you share a little bit about what you've heard and seen from your employees and from um, your clients? I hate to call them clients. It seems kind of impersonal with the way that you described your relationship with them. But um, uh, during this pandemic, um, are, are people, do they feel comfortable coming in? Have you opened your doors back up? What's the climate? Right. So, you know, I think 99% of the, the employees and, and patients have, like I said before, have been very understanding. Um, I think they, they knew us. We've communicated to them what, or what we were doing in the process. We actually have curbside service. So the way we set everything up is, you know, uh, communication, you know, outside the pharmacy, we posted everything on social media to let them know what changes were occurring early on. Um, and then as far as process, you know, we, we implemented a COVID screening. So indiv individuals who wanted to come in, we pretty much call our patients with every refill. Um, so if they're not getting their prescription each month with, with each refill. And so they were already expecting that communication. Um, so giving that those screenings to them, I think made them feel much more comfortable. We provide masks to individuals who are coming in. Um, you know, I think that they felt cared for, to be honest. Um, and that was, you know, hopefully, um, you know, that was the goal that they, they should feel cared for. And I, I think that as we move towards reopening, uh, the governor has, has allowed that to, uh, to come to fruition here over the next um, many steps. Uh, we're being very cautious uh, as there may be a resurgence in the fall, as, as I'm sure you're aware of with, with influenza. And, you know, we don't know what to expect. Uh, we have prediction modeling. So we're, we're still taking those steps. We have a lot of immunocompromised patients in our, in our patient population here. Um, so I think that they're happy with the new norm. Uh, I think that, you know, if you wanted to go back to where we were, I think everybody would love that. But I think you put pressure on a pot, you know, it can either, you know, get more resilient and we find new ways around it. Um, or, you know, we choose the other road. And I think that most people are, are choosing, let, let's make this happen. Let's figure out how to work around it. Uh, we're extremely creative individuals. Um, and as a community, I think we're pulling together. That's encouraging to hear because um, all you have to do is scroll through Instagram or Facebook and you think the world's falling apart. And uh, to hear you say that about your community is encouraging. And I would say the same thing. I've seen, particularly in my organization, I've seen people be really creative and compassionate and empathetic and try to find solutions. And I'm sure Megan's seen that as well. So, and creative for sure. Uh, <laughs> Megan, with your job, I see some really funny videos coming out of there. So I don't know what your crew is doing, but I like it. <laughs> We are very blessed to have creative folks that want to have fun on the job and, um, you know, higher ed is important, college is important, but it doesn't have to be, you know, 100% serious all the time. And if we can't laugh now, when can we? So we've tried to have a little bit of levity in the things we've been doing lately. 
Well, speaking of that, Jill, what do you do to uh, have some alone time or have, have a date night? What creative things are you doing um, to keep yourself sane and positive during this time? <laughs> uh, well, like your colleague here, we actually have a, a small mini farm. Uh, so we have been putting out our plants and, and planting. I think that working in the dirt is extremely therapeutic to watch something grow. Uh, we've also been doing hiking and I uh, found some new fun things that we didn't know were behind our yard. <laughs> um, still social distancing. Um, and I actually do um, burn boot camp, which uh, shout out to them. They've done an amazing job in doing online and um, in-person Zoom meetings. So to try to keep engaged, I think that activity, physical activity is great for your mental activity. And, and that's been wonderful uh, so that's really my my me time is 45 minutes a day trying to, to work out not every day but i try <laughs> and megan i see um our mutual friend sarah fellows has hooked you up with some starter what is it starter yeah i have a sourdough starter baby right now <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally going to kill it. Now, I, I, I'm kind of upset that I put it out there publicly because now I have to keep it alive and I'm not very good at it. I, I, sometimes I'm amazed I kept the boys going this long. Um, but yeah, I was making butter over the weekend, which is not as hard as it sounds. It's super easy. Um, and somehow the beauty of social media connected me with her extra sourdough starter. So uh, drove it home, seat belted today. It needs a name and uh, one more mouth to feed, I guess, around here. <laughs> is this, is that one that you have to split up and then uh, like the friendship bread? Yeah, it's, it's got like all these rules. <laughs> <laughs> be honest, I haven't read that. Sarah gave me like this great, all these notes and what I'm supposed to do. Um, so I have a little bit more, or I'll say a lot more reading to do to make sure I don't um, kill it right away. <laughs> but uh, I love bread so much, so it's worth the effort and uh, if I have any I can I, I think I'm supposed to share the starter to keep it going so advertisement if anyone needs some and I haven't killed it yet I'd be happy to share and you're being modest you turned butter too <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. it's literally getting whipping cream and you shake it just like pretty much like this for like 40 minutes you look ridiculous but it's literally that's all you do and you shake it until it like turns into butter so, so it's it's kind of like cardio and like some yeah you're getting like it was one of those shake weights where you just you look ridiculous we, the boys did have a friend over and he, i think he thought i was crazy because i was just going around shaking my whipping cream um so yeah he <laughs> over again <laughs> that's fantastic I, that recipe i can share is we just shake it until it turns into butter it's, it sounds like a great combination of homesteading and, and physical activity. It could really catch on. Yeah, you burn calories, then you can eat more butter. It's kind of like, I guess. And homemade butter on that bread would sound, it sounds amazing. Yes. It sounds great. I wonder if our grandparents would be proud of us. <laughs> you know? Or if they would think, oh, you eat too many, too much fast food, and now you're you're trying to figure it out. I, I just wonder what their perspective would be if they could see us, or if it'd be a chuckle. I mean, my my grandparents have passed, but yeah, I just think that my grandmother would look at this situation, and she would say, I stay home anyway, and I bake my own bread. <laughs> Oh, Holly, that's so funny. I remember, uh, my grandmother saw my garden right now. I'm not so sure how 
proud she would be. Um, but I do recall asking her, um, because she lived to 100, she was born in 1915, on how she handled um, the Great Depression. And she laughed and she said, I didn't know any difference, honey. It was all the same to us. We were dirt poor and we, it, we just kept on trucking. So it wasn't very much different for her. Uh, but I, I would be really curious to see and hear what she would have to say today. Absolutely. And I see um, that poverty consciousness and how it's been passed down. And, you know, I had this the same situation with my grandmother. Um, she always said, if you have a dirt floor, you still need to sweep it. And uh, <laughs> I think about that often when I look at my floor and wish for a Roomba. And <laughs> but uh, she very much had that philosophy. And a lot of her behavior was shaped by growing up that way. And, and mm -hmm very simple life. I wouldn't even say poor. They just didn't know that there was anything else out there or they had just accepted that that's, that was their reality. And they, they just did, they lived a very simple life. And, um, I think that my grandmother would say that it was all going to be all right. And, uh, she would probably sing a song. She'd sing an old hymn or, or something like that. So Megan, I don't know much about your lineage. What, what would your grandparents say about how you're handling the pandemic life? Oh, they'd, uh, they'd probably tell me to keep cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I never noticed how fast my floors got dirty. And I feel like that's all I've done the last nine weeks is uh, just, I don't know how it's scientifically possible where you vacuum something and then like you literally turn around and it's dirty again. Um, so my, my grandparents were always, um, really, you know, not picky, not, um, they wouldn't have said, gosh, your house is a mess, but, uh, I probably would have felt that, um, that drive, even though nobody's around to try to keep up things the best you have. I love the, the sweep the dirt floors analogy, because sometimes it feels like that's what I'm working with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter if you have a dirt floor, you need to sweep it anyway. So, um, and I know some days that can feel daunting. So if you're watching or listening right now and you haven't done starter bread or <laughs> made your own butter, planted anything, or you killed all your plants, um, zero judgment. We know that all of our boss ladies are doing the best that they can. You know, you're doing the best that you can and uh, we're proud of you. And speaking of proud, um, Megan, what would you say uh, as far as the past nine weeks, what are you most proud of yourself about? That's a great question. Um, I'm proud of how I feel like I've had a pretty good work-life balance through all of this, even though it's been probably one of the still most stressful times professionally, just navigating all of this change, um, but still getting to enjoy that quality time with family, and um, still seeking out new projects and, um, Still binge watching a lot of. <laughs> uh, I've gotten into some really trashy TV that I probably have not learned a lot. Um, but learning that's okay to, you know, doesn't have to be productive every minute of the day. And um, I can read books that are nonfiction, and I'm not learning anything, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, so I think just having a little bit more balance and being okay with things not being okay. It's, unfortunate practice to have, but I think it's been a good lesson in a lot of ways. I'm so happy that you shared that. That feels very authentic and uh, it, it, I, I echo that. So uh, Jill, you'll close out the show for us 
if you will. Uh, we've got just a few minutes left. Will you share about what you're most proud of of yourself? We're right now uh, for weeks because I can <laughs> tons of things I'm proud of you for. Um, you know, I will echo some of the same sentiments. What I have learned is that you know we tend to, or at least I won't, I won't put this on anyone else. We, I tend to put much pressure on myself and, and getting the tasks done as a, you know, self starter and you're, you're running your own business, you create that agenda for yourself. And it's allowed me uh, the grace to give myself a little more time um, to get those projects done, um, but also to allow more time for family, more um, balance in, in a weird way. Um, because during this time, I think there's been a lot of more work and pressure in, in, in chunks and in concentrated chunks, but in a different way. And so I think it, it definitely has helped me become a more graceful person and giving grace to others and myself, uh, but also providing more cushion and more margin in my life for the, the children and the family um, that also need um, that boss lady to be home. And, and I think that that's been, I think, the silver lining in all of this for me.